we're going to talk about the power of praise and worship. This is a subject that's really amazing because if you look at the Word of God, there's not one verse, one single verse that defines the worship of God in the Bible. But yet, there's this underlying theme that is threaded throughout the whole Word of God, a foundational piece of our lives as Christians is worship, the worship and praise of our God. It's how we, it's how we, this battlefield of the mind, which is where Satan comes at you at, it's how we manage that. We invite God in. How we get rid of vain imaginations and how strongholds come down is that, that anointing that, that is always in worship, that is always present when we praise the Lord. It just it does things in us that affect our life. So I, you know, grab your pen and paper. Uh, if you want, take some notes. I'm gonna say a lot of things just as a foundation. And I just wanna reiterate what Mark had, was just saying about tonight. I wanna to encourage you, the Lord's been speaking to me so much about this night. If you're out there and you're going, you know, I just, it's not my personality. The thought of coming here and worshiping God for an hour, that just sounds brutal. Well, that's okay. I'm, I'm, I love your honesty. Because most people just play church and they don't get honest with themselves so they never get free. But I want to encourage you, the Spirit of the Lord has been just talking to me this week about how that He is going to, during this time of worship while you're worshiping God while you're making a decision to to come and do this the spirit of God's going to be down on the inside of you teaching you how to how to worship and so he's going to take us as a church to I believe a, a, a just a deeper awareness a, a new place and for some it'll fuel your life to where now where you haven't laid hold of part of the plan of God before you'll be able to lay hold of it. I'll tell you, everything you do in life, the foundation of it will be worship and praise. That's what you were created for. It's, it's just, it's who we are as Christians. So, you guys ready? Hallelujah. Statement number one. And a lot of these statements, the reason why I cry so much is because I remember when the Lord spoke them to me. A revelation of worship, and I'm, I mean true worship, is essential to the life of every believer. It's not, it's not what we do to get ready to preach the word. It's essential. Uh, the revealed treasure of true worship is mandatory in the life of every believer. Mandatory. So God will help you with this. He'll help you learn how to yield yourself and worship Him and praise His name. Not, not just in church, but all, your whole life. It encompasses your whole life. Worship encompasses the very bedrock of our lives. And along with that, 
it, it literally encompasses not only the bedrock of our lives, but the bedrock of our lives is our connection to the kingdom of God. When you and I were born again, we were, we were taken out of the delegated influence of darkness, the kingdom of darkness, and we were transferred over into the kingdom of God's dear son. And now we live in this world, in this world system, but we live in it in the kingdom of God, where there is no lack, where sickness and disease can't stay, where depression can't live. It's now, but see, if you don't understand that worship, is, it's a bedrock. It's, it, it's part of what connects you to that foundation. You'll never be able to tap into some of these things. Whatever calling and anointing the Lord is developing and birthing in you must be founded on true worship. I've been around pastors. I've been around believers, Bible students that are just, they're just so hungry because the call of God is stirring them but because they never found the call and the anointing on worship, they never really walk in very much of it. They never get very far. Because worship will get you out of self-centeredness and selfishness. It'll keep you out of offense. So important. Worship is the common thread, the common denominator found all through God's word. And, and as we get into this study, you're going to see it. I don't know that we'll get there today. I want to lay a foundation. But man, I'm looking forward to talking about, we'll talk about it a little, I believe, but really getting into taking an aerial view of Jesus' ministry, taking an aerial view of the last time he was going to be with his disciples. And you're going to see the secret place of worship. You know, we talk about corporate worship, but we don't define it correctly. We think corporate worship is all of us together just worshiping, but it's so much more than that. See, we don't worship really corporately. We worship in one accord. It, there's a big difference. So we're all today, as we worship together, it's a wonderful dynamic, but we're all worshiping together individually. Now we're all connected, but think of worship, it's very individual. So you can experience worship in your shower. You could experience worship as you wake up right in the middle of the night and you're, you're just in this place. You could experience it in your car. You could experience it seconds after you get maybe the worst nudes of your life and it just floods your heart with joy and peace. And it dispels fear and it dispels anxiety. It's wonderful. Worship is one of the main themes in the Word of God. So, as we said before, there's no single verse that defines it. Because it's not to be a mechanical thing. It's literally spirit to spirit. Do you know Christianity is the only, and they classify it as a religion, really we're a, it's a relationship with God. We're the only ones that were the created, the worshipers worship the God who is in them and who they are in. We're very unique. It's wonderful. Wonderful. 
The New Testament Greek word for worship is pros kuneo, face to face. Kuneo means to kiss, to kiss the hand, to kiss in reverence. It, it's denoting intimacy. It's awesome. You could say it this way, to kiss the hand as an act of reverence. See, God, God is irresistible. But you won't ever see that if you don't choose it and pursue it. See, the tabernacle in the wilderness, if you were to take a if you were to get on a mountain and look down in a valley at the tabernacle, all lit up at night, you'd see a gigantic cross because everything pointed to Jesus. There was one way in, right? But if you looked at the holy place and the holy of holies, it was, it was covered on the outside with gopher skin. Now, if you've ever seen a gopher, it would just look brown, very plain, like there's nothing. But if you saw the description of what was inside, it was gorgeous. And see, but God never wanted to, he, he never wanted to dwell in a tabernacle with men. He wanted to dwell in a temple that was in men. So now we are, our bodies are the temple. And oh, you know, you could look at me on the outside and I might just look like an average and ordinary guy, but oh, if you could see me on the inside. Because literally these Greek words that denote this temple, it's a glorious temple because the Holy Spirit doesn't dwell in anything that's not glorious. Isn't it amazing how Satan will tell you as a Christian you're nothing? He'll try to dumb you down. He'll try to tell you, but no, no, no. God thinks you are the most priceless thing in the universe. That's why he paid the ultimate price so that he could not only be with you, but be in you. Pros cuneo. Webster's, I like Noah Webster's original, the first edition of his dictionary, 1828. The word worship means to adore. Now, Noah Webster was a Bible scholar. You know, uh, he only, um, he could only quote you from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22, I think, what, till the end of the book, whatever that last verse is there. He could quote the whole Bible. So a lot of these definitions in this first edition are coming from the Greek and Hebrew words and, and the principles in the Word of God. But worship means to adore. It means to reverence with supreme respect. See, Satan wants to distract you to where you get your eyes off of God on, on your life because if he does that, now you've cut yourself off, right? right? Your, your faith, you're going to start, whatever you look at, you start looking to. That's the way God designed us. And if you look at it long enough, it'll become your source. God wants you to look at him. He wants you to be pros, face to face with him. It means with supreme respect to honor with extravagant love and extreme submission. I'll read that again because it was so good. To adore, to reverence with supreme respect. To honor 
with extravagant love and extreme submission. That's, that's worship. The worship of God, it's funny, Vine's expository dictionary, it'll have the word proskuneo, but at, but at the gist of everything, it, it basically tells us that the worship of God is nowhere defined in Scripture. Because it's, it's just, the worship of God is so, so incredibly vast, it can't be defined. It's got to be experienced, right? So that's, that's what I love about this. Now, Holman's Bible Dictionary describes worship as the human response to the perceived presence of the divine. See, what happens is we come, and, and I think it's funny how Holman defined that. You can kind of see where he's at, the human response. I got to tell you, I disagree with that. I think it's the spirit's response, my spirit's response to the perceived presence of God. So I wanted to make that little adjustment. Now that would be my opinion, but I'll tell you, I think we're going to have a lot of scriptures that back that up. I don't know, I tend to have a lot of scriptures that back things up. Because you know what my opinion's worth, right? It's yeah. really not worth yeah. anything. Don't ever come to me as your pastor go, hey man, can I, give, can I get your opinion? Just realize I don't even want my opinion, okay? I want his leading in my life. So here's a big one. Worship is not a musical term. It's not a musical term. Worship is not slow or fast songs, right? Sometimes we think, well, a fast song, that's praise. A slow song is worship, right? We see... We use worship, or we use music, to support the worship process and encourage the worshiping heart. Could you see on the worship team, because none of them are about themselves, how they all flowed together? The, the frontline singers, all of these, see, their vocals, their voice is just an extension of their spirit. Could you sense the different anointings? But you almost couldn't tell when one stopped singing and another started because they were one voice. Same thing with all the instrumentalists. See, that, that instrument is literally an extension of their spirit. And so they all flow together. It's just a wonderful thing. Worship is not, this is a big one, style adjustable or modifiable by personality or ethnicity, right? So, so here's a big one. If somebody said, you know, pastor, can you describe your church? Yes. The Lord told me our church would look a lot like heaven. It would be multicultural, and multi-generational, all flowing together. But it's not style adjustable. Now, it's not, 
adjustable or you don't modify it because of your personality. It's, you don't modify it because of your ethnicity. Now, what do I mean by that? If you're beyond a certain age, you're probably going to be more prone to liking hymns or a certain style of music. If you're a different ethnicity, you might like a certain style, right? Or, or with your personality, you might like songs, certain songs more than others. But none of that has anything to do with what worship is. Because worship is always going to be the passionate pursuit of the living God under any, any style of music, right? Any ethnic slant of music, any, whatever it is, it's going to always come down to, is the worshiper willing to open their heart and passionately pursue the living God so that he can respond to that and come in? So, so it's not based on the style. And if you'll notice, boy, it's amazing the styles of music that you can really like. Or if you're in a worship service and they're singing something that doesn't really mix with you, if you won't get in your flesh and stay in your spirit, you'll stay in worship. It's, it's really amazing. So as we go through this, I believe the Holy Spirit's going to help and we're going to define some things. Worship is an all or nothing, unreserved, unconditional heart response. It's all or nothing. It's I'm jumping, I'm all in. I love, I love the video that we just saw with, with New Wave Youth, right? They're all in. Because because that's, that's who we are as Christians. There's no halfway. There's no, well, let me test the water. Nope. Testing the waters, no worship, no worship, no worship, until you finally decide to jump in now. It's an all or nothing, unreserved, unconditional heart response to a revelation from God of his greatness and of his holiness, which causes you to passionately pursue him, and then worship happens when he responds. It's what it is. Worship, another aspect, is it's not a physical event. Tonight, you are coming to a physical event called a worship night, but nothing that happens in that worship night will be a physical event. Right? It is a spiritual experience. And God wants you to have spiritual experiences with him all throughout each day of your life. And worship has a destination. There is a place. You'll see it. We reached a destination today. Could you sense it? We reached it. See, what's really cool in our church is you guys are, are the, the hunger that you have for the Lord. It's cool. So easy to preach. It's so easy for God to move in your life when you're like that. Because you're not sitting here going, man, I really don't like blue, and I wish we had pews instead of... Some churches never get beyond that stuff. Thank God we're not into that, right? We want God. And God could work with that.
What do I mean by a spiritual experience? It's an offering of the spirit of man, not the physical man. I'm offering, I'm, open my spirit, I'm opening my spirit to the Lord. This is why some of the different, there's, there's several words of praise and worship that, that we might get into if I get into this. But, you know, like the lifting of the hands. You know when you lift your hands, you open your spirit. The Bible talks about lifting up holy hands. In the Greek, it literally means lifting up hands that have nothing to hide. So, so and, and here's the thing. You have nothing to hide because you can't. God knew everything, every dark secret in your life a million years before you ever were born. <laughs> and he loved you so much he, came, he sent his son Jesus. Wow. So worship has a destination. I remember the first time I went to Yosemite. So I'm hearing about this glorious place. So you pull into Yosemite National Park, and after about 10 minutes, I'm like, okay. So it's just a bunch of trees. You know, you're just driving, you're like, okay, we're in the woods, great. Woo, that's awesome. Where's the ocean, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, and then you're just driving, and then all of a sudden you kind of go, oh, that's cool. There's like a little tunnel going through the side of the mountain. And you go through it, and then the minute you go through it, you almost wreck. Because you're like, the whole Yosemite Valley just goes boom. Right over here is El Capitan, the biggest piece of granite on the planet. There's Half Dome, there's waterfalls, and, you're, and, and they have a place where you could pull over. It's amazing. It's a destination. That's the way worship is. Man, you'll come, sometimes you'll come into church, and you've got all this stuff going on in your life, and you've got all this, all this you're maybe, you're, you know, I mean, do you ever have any problems on Sunday mornings? Ever? Wednesday nights, right? The destination. You reach a destination. Worship has a destination. Reaching God's presence is the destination. Achieving audience is the first part. Worship occurs when God responds to that passionate pursuit of Him. Boy, how many times are you going to say that? A lot. A lot. Hungering and thirsting for fellowship with him. I could tell you this. Everyone sitting here who is born again, who knows Jesus as their Lord and Savior, your spirit man hungers and thirsts after the living God. Yes, it does. But there's a principle that we see that you have to taste in order to see that the Lord is good. And spiritually, see, when you're hungry spiritually, it just means that you've been feeding. So if you sit here today with no spiritual hunger, just start feeding. Have you ever noticed how Satan does not want you to listen to teaching, uh, definitely doesn't ever want you to read the Bible, right? Because he knows it'll start igniting something inside of you. You could be completely on fire for the Lord very quickly if you'll just feed. Because you hunger after what you feed on, and you will never satisfy spiritual hunger. It'll grow and grow and grow, and that journey's awesome. Physical hunger, I don't care if it's your favorite meal. You know, I, I believe there's probably going to be one in, in heaven. Uh, Benihana. 
You know, it's just, there's, there's just so many good things about it. Mark's thinking chicken and rice, but that's behind Benihana, right? So, since I have the microphone right now. But, you know, if I went to Benihana, now, I could probably go several times in a row, but, but if I went like 10 times in a row, 15 times in a row, I'd be like, are you kidding me? I just do not ever want to see fried rice, hibachi steak ever again in my life. Because that's the way your physical body is. When your physical body, though, is hungry, it's, it yells at you. When your spirit's hungry, it's quiet. When you feed your flesh, you could get stuffed and never want food again. Right? But if you feed your spirit, you'll want more. Because God is irresistible. So this is huge. Worship, and and again, boy, it's hard for me to preach this long without quoting a bunch of scriptures, but I have to lay this foundation. Worship is a dialogue. It's not a monologue. Prayer, it's the same way. It's a dialogue. Worship is not just me coming and singing and doing this. No, no. Worship happens when he responds. Worship is an attitude of your heart. Worship is an exclusive, undivided focus. It's exclusive. When I, when I come into worship, you know, I've, I've been told as a pastor, you know, you, you need to not always be down here. You should be walking around watching, seeing how people are doing. But I gotta tell you, when I'm down here, with my eyes closed, crying like a baby, worshiping him. It's, it's, this is what I have right here. It's a single focus. Do you know on the inside of me, I know where, I know where we are. I know where people are at. The Lord, the, Lord, the Lord Jesus just shows me things. But it doesn't, it doesn't take my focus off him. Worship is a true, individual evident, fervent, ongoing, continuous relationship and communion with God. Worship is intimate, worship is personal, and worship is very individual. When you came today in this service right now, the Lord has very specific things that he wants to impart into you through the teaching, through worship, everything. It's individual, it's personal, and it's intimate. The heart that is consumed with worshiping God is not concerned with the news. It's not, gonna, it's not concerned any longer with what's gonna, what they need to do the next day. It's not concerned with the demands of life. It has become singly focused on passionately pursuing God. And I've got to tell you, that's in every believer's heart. Most believers have never, ever been taught how to go into that. And so they've not tapped in to this incredible potential that always is there in the presence of God. Everything God does is for us. It's amazing. Hallelujah. So we worship in one accord. Acts chapter 2 talks about that on the day of Pentecost. As we gather as individuals, not focused on each other, not focused on what's going on around us, 
but we're focused on pursuing the presence of the Lord. That's worship. So as we said this before, worship is a response. It happens. Well, you could, I guess the best way to say it, it is the response of the Holy Spirit giving us a revelation of the holiness of God. Many times when I'm worshiping, I find myself, it just comes out of my spirit, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Well, what is that? The Holy Spirit's bringing a revelation of his holiness. As I talk about it, it starts coming over me. And you start to realize things. It will, it, what happens when you turn up the light on the holiness of God, see, here's what, here's what religion will tell you. That when you turn up the thing on the holiness of God, you'll start to see what a lonely worm you are. But that's not the way it works. When the holiness of God, when that revelation builds with you, it just floods your heart how dearly loved and accepted you are by this holy God. It, it just it magnifies Him. It, it opens your heart. But that's what we have to believe God for. Without a revelation of the Holy, or from the Holy Spirit of the holiness of God, there is no worship. We only have a song service. So we got to believe God for the Holy Spirit to bring revelation of His holiness to us. So, how do we gain this revelation? To gain a revelation of this, this is why we must sing songs that are based on the Word of God. Because the Holy Spirit, you know, and if you want a hundred scriptures on that one, we just, we just went through a nice series on being led by the Spirit of God on Wednesday nights. Just get online and listen to that. The Holy Spirit testifies of Jesus. He leads us and guides us into all the truth, which is the Word of God. So if we're not singing songs from the Word of God, there will be no revelation of holiness. Do you see that? This is big. The words of these songs must declare who God is, what He's done, who we are in Him, what we've been given in Him, what we can do in Him. But also in addition to that, we have to come in and prepare our hearts to worship because we have to walk in love. And we have to walk in obedience to Him. So many Christians, because they're allowing their flesh to operate, they're not able to enter in, and you need it. Times of refreshing flow from the presence of God. You need to be refreshed. Because you know what? Have you ever noticed? You deal with stuff down here, don't you? The whole world system is designed to steal, kill, and destroy. It's designed to create fear. And none of that is to ever be a part of your life. So we must set our heart on him. We must lay aside all distractions. So what can we do then? What can we do as believers who love one another when we come into a place where we're worshiping with one another? Ask the Lord, is there anything that I'm doing that is a distraction to my neighbor. Because sometimes you don't even realize that you tend to flip your pen 
which, you know, you know me, man, I could have 25 babies screaming in here, things, chaos going on, and it doesn't affect me at all. But, but somebody else, they might, right? Just that might get, or, or, you know, you're sitting next to somebody. Now, if I'm telling on anybody, I, it's not my intention. I don't hear any of this stuff. But, you know, I'm, I'm sitting over here by Pastor Edwin. Could be a distraction, right? That kind of messed with your personality a little bit, yeah? Right? And this is the thing. This is the thing. Does that mean you can't, you got to be totally still? No, no, be led. You're a New Testament believer, right? Uh, but, but maybe invest in some breath mints, right? I love it. Like, you know, at times, some of these, some of these ladies that are up here, um, they're, they're like Carissa today. I got to get some surround sound. I've had it one time where I think Carissa and Teresa were behind me, and I'm like, wow. See, I love the front row because I can't hear myself sing. I do not want to hear myself sing. As a matter of fact, one time, uh, somebody was working sound, and they don't, they, you know, they, they keep me muted, so I never have to mess with my mic. But worship started, and my mic was on. And I literally, I started singing, and I'm like, what is that? And, it, and I realized it was me. So, you know, so anyway, the Lord will help us. We better move on here. I want you to open your Bible up to John chapter 4 in verse 23. Is this helping you a little bit? Yes, kind of giving you an overview, and then we're going to fill it in with a lot of Scripture. John chapter 4 in verse 23. Hallelujah. It says, But the hour cometh, and now is, when true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship Him. I'm telling you, when you come anywhere you are, and you make a decision, I am going to worship my Father. I'm going to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Whenever you, wherever you are, you've got to realize God is seeking those that worship Him that way. So if you will open up your spirit and worship Him out of your spirit and in truth, which means according to the Word of God, man, He'll show up. And he'll respond, and that's when worship happens. We were all formed, all of us, to personally, intimately, and regularly encounter the living God. That is our environment. I walk with him. I walk in him. He walks in me. Nothing can separate me from him. We were formed. You were created that way. If you ever get quiet, you will sit there in your life and you will start to sense something great that you are to do in this earth. Something that is so big, it, it's bigger than you. Because see, God did not put you here to do things according to your ability. To do things alone. No, 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 no. He wants you to do it with him according to his ability. 
so that you don't yield natural results. You go way beyond natural and you yield divine supernatural results. Because Jesus came, John 10, 10, right? I've come that they might have life. That's zoe, the God quality of life, and that they would have it more abundantly. And, and worship is a foundation. Mark chapter 12, verse 30, reveals an Old Testament scripture called the Dama. The people, the children of Israel would say this all the time, but it's a wonderful thing. In Mark chapter 12, verse 30, it says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. I got to tell you, that gives us a wonderful picture of worship. I worship God with everything. Our primary objective in life is with total abandon. We must pursue Him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. That is the life of worship. In Psalm 16, verse 11, Psalm 16, 11 says this, Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. This is the God that we worship. And this is the result. We tap into this. Psalm 42 in verse 1 says, As the deer panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. This is... This is a picture of worship. It's the foundation of our life. Isn't that amazing how Satan will throw thought after thought after thought into your mind trying to get your soul to pant after something else that can't produce life. Everything comes down to a decision. Another wonderful worship scripture is this. It's Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. If you're taking notes, Hebrews eleven six, 6. It says this, But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Wow! For he who comes to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. That's a picture of worship. Never looked at those, that scripture as worship before, but that's literally describing the passionate pursuit of God. I love that. These verses speak of this passionate thirsting and intense seeking, which is worship. Worship is and always will be a passionate thirsting, and an intense seeking. And here's the thing. Even when I say that, do you know many believers have never been passionate about seeking fellowship with God? And this is why. It's not because of any other reason except we're feeding ourselves on wrong things. But, oh, you know, English just, it's so hard. 
what we're talking about, it will take you into a new room, a whole new area where you, for me, man, this room helps me get over myself. It helps me keep everything in perspective. It keeps me in love. And it literally is what keeps me in the love of God. It's what keeps me walking by the faith of God. It's what literally enables me to have the sensitivity to be led by the Spirit of God. What? This intense seeking and thirsting for God. So, let's talk about praise just a little bit. So as we said, praise is not a fast song. Okay? Praise, literally what it is, is a physical expression it's a physical offering to God. Now, this is the thing. God is not on some ego trip needing to be pleased and worshipped, right? He's not on some ego trip. We know that because he never changes. See, some think that, that wow, God wants me to praise him all the time. It's as if it's going to change God, put him in a better mood. But he doesn't change. Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Malachi 6 says, I am the Lord, I change not. James 1.17 says, every good, every perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning, he never changes. So praise will not change him. Praise changes and builds us up. I'm telling you tonight, you're going to sense it. This morning, you're sensing it. If you came and, and you just literally opened yourself up, man, he comes in and he helps you. See, the Holy Spirit's there to take you from where you are into where you need to be. It's so, so very important. It's just awesome when you look at it, right? So let's look at this. Of all the faithful men and women spoken of in the Bible, they really weren't any different in nature, in human strength, or in personality than us. But you see that they possessed the ability to praise God when? In troubled times. Paul and Silas are a great example of that, aren't they? A church was birthed in the darkest dungeon in Philippi, out of worship. Praise changes and edifies us. But here's, here's the key. Praising God in tough times lifted them out of their little world into God's very big world where all things are possible. Let me say that again. Praising God in difficult and troubled times in your life will lift you out of your little world. Have you, ever, have you ever had your world just shrink to where, oh my gosh, I could die, this is not going to work out? Praise will lift you out of your little world and, and you'll see things no longer as how they seem. You'll see things how they are you'll get into God's great big world where all things are possible to him who believes. 
where you're very precious in His sight. We must deliberately purpose to praise God. It's a deliberate thing. You have to make a decision. You have to come into church and go, okay, body, we're praising God today. Well, it's just not my personality. Well, then get over yourself because it really is your personality. You've just let your personality be twisted a little bit. I, that went over really good. Let me move on. So we'll just, we'll just keep going. We'll just pretend. You could just pretend like I didn't say that. The bummer, though, I might say that again. So I don't know. But, but we got to be deliberate. we got to be purposeful. Praise is triggered by an act of your will. You, sometimes you just, you know what? I bet Paul and Silas, they, when they were beaten with rods and then thrown and chained in a dungeon, you know, they don't have air conditioning there, right? All this stuff, they, they didn't feel like praising, but they made a decision to start stirring themselves. If you'll make a decision to start stirring yourself, you will tap into who you are and you'll get out of who your flesh is. Okay? The natural man, this is the way the natural man works, must feel like doing something before he does it. That's why if you live out of your natural man, you'll miss God's whole plan for your life. Because you'll spend all your time thinking about what the house you want to have, the car you want to drive, the success you want to have. But you'll never, because you're in your flesh and it's instant gratification, you'll never really think about how I'm going to make that come to pass. And, and, and see, here's the thing. If you feel like, if you, if you read your Bible, you could take a test right now. So... Now, don't raise your hands. Don't just look, just look straight ahead and smile. Nobody will ever know, okay? But if you want to know if you've lived out of your spirit or out of your flesh this week, just ask yourself how much time you've spent here. You could say, oh man, or, or amen. You could say, oh me, or you could say, oh man, right? Whatever. But, but you could tell. So don't play games with yourself. Just realize this. So, as we keep going with this, a spiritual man, a spiritual woman, will submit their will without feeling to God. And I got a little secret for you. When you do that, feelings come. Ooh. But they're not outside, they're inside. Goosebumps on the inside create incredible goosebumps on the outside. But like faith... And everything dealing with God, it all springs from confidence in His Word. You're not going to worship somebody you don't trust. You're not going to worship somebody you don't, don't know. So, a spiritual man believes, acts on that belief, and feels later. A natural man, I'm going to feel it before I do it. And then all of a sudden you blink... And 20 years went by. Right? So, you guys are doing good today. 
You guys are still hanging in there. That's awesome. All right, we're kind of coming down the road. I've got a whole bunch of notes. We're never going to get to all of them. That's all right. Praise is the physical. Now, this is a big one. Praise is the physical reflection or expression of the worshiper's heart. So when I praise God, it's this outward, what you're seeing outwardly. Now notice, I'm not going to say what you're seeing outwardly shows what's going on inwardly. I'm not going to say it because that's not a true statement. When I praise, though, my physical expression is to show what is going on inside me. Okay? It is to show that. Sometimes people can get very good at playing church and they could look really good, but their heart is not there. And remember, when God's looking at your heart, right? And oh, he's longing for you to tap into this and not live manipulating yourself in life. He wants... He wants everything in your life to flow out of the overflow of your personal walk with him. So let's put it this way. We're talking about the horizontal, the horizontal reflection as a byproduct of the vertical connection. Okay? Because of my vertical connection with God, now everything horizontal flows out of that. So if you see me, for some people, they might come up here. We've seen people come up. Man, they're on their knees. They're lifting their hands. Some people are crying. For some people, they're just like, you could see them, but you could see it on their face. There's one person standing there, right? And they're just, you could tell the Spirit of God is all over them. It's a reflection of their heart. Another person standing there with their eyes closed, and it's like they're in a Teflon coating and they're not even here, right? It's, it's a reflection. God examines the heart, not simply the reflection, okay? He's examining your heart, not the reflection. He's examining it to see if there's fire there. It is possible for the outward expression to not be the true reflection. Right? You know what we call that? We don't call it worship. You've had people do it to you. You've done it to people. I've done it to God, and I've done it to people. But no more. We call it flattery. Have you ever been flattered by somebody? You feel like okay, I need to leave and go take a shower, right? Because it's a, ugh. Have you ever flattered somebody and you walk away, notice you don't feel good about it? Because it's not real. Your spirit's down on the inside of you going, man, that's not who you are, right? The Holy Spirit's, he's just flooding your heart with scriptures going, you, I've got a plan for you. Let's get over this stuff, right? People hide behind things. They hide behind, I'm too busy. They hide behind a lot of things, right? God doesn't want any of that for you. 
Matthew chapter 15 in verse 8 and 9 says this. Matthew 15 verse 8 and 9. It says, This people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Verse 9, at the very beginning of that verse, it says, But in vain they do worship me. See, in Psalm 78, it brings something out here. Same point, in verse 35 to verse 37, it says, Asaph writes, And they remembered that God was their rock, and the high God, their redeemer. Nevertheless, they did flatter him with their mouth, and they lied unto him with their tongues. Why? For their heart was not right with him, neither were they steadfast in his covenant. See, they were praising God, if you read that story, but they, their hearts were detached from God. God wants your heart attached to him. Psalm 95, verse 1, says this, O come, let us sing unto the Lord. When you see let us, you should write in this verse, O come, let us, as an act of our will. Because when it says let us, that means you decide. O come, let us, as an act of my will, sing unto the Lord. Let us, as an act of our will, make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Verse 2, let us, as an act of our will, come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. Verse 6, O come, let us, as an act of our will, worship and bow down. Let us, as an act of our will, kneel before the Lord, our maker. Do you see that? It's a decision. 